our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where you listen because you don't want to believe, you listen because you want to know. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for tuning in once again. This is episode number 18. Tonight's special guest is David Sarita, harmonic codes, anti-gravity, the mathematics of the pyramids, communication with extraterrestrials, his new film, Mona Lisa's Little Secret, and more. I would like to remind you that all our past shows are available to you 24-7, right on our website, VeritasShow.com. Veritas is available on Fridays on our website and through the following affiliates. K-Rock's Zero Point Radio, the Black Vault Radio Network, and the Paranormal Radio Network, UPRN 105.8 FM, New Orleans. Listen to The Veritas Show on iTunes and RSS feeds throughout cyberspace. And if you listen through iTunes, please remember to rate us. We are heard in 114 countries and growing. If you need to get in touch with me or send questions to our future guests, send an email to mail at veritasshow.com or just head to our website and click on the contact button. There are many ways to interact and be up to date with Veritas. The Manticore Forum, which you can reach by going to our homepage and clicking on the forum or simply by going to manticore.com or by joining the Veritas Show group on Facebook. And let me share with you our upcoming guests in order of appearance. Paula Harris, Catherine Austin Fitz, James Fox, Dr. Fred Bell, and Nick Pope. For the dates, just go to our website. Nice. 
now to some news. The Exophiles, Cosmic Politics, to Believers, No Idea is Alien. Former astronaut, man not alone in the universe, sent a proposal could put heavy restrictions on internet freedoms. British government secretly studies crop circles and UFO connection. Those were only the headlines. For the rest of the story, go to our website and click on blog. And now I want to share with you an AOL news poll, which included almost half a million people. There are three questions. The first one, do you think extraterrestrial beings have visited Earth? 73% said yes, 17% said no, 10% undecided. The other question, do you think the government is trying to cover up the existence of extraterrestrial life? 76% said yes, 15% said no, and 9% undecided. And the last question, have you ever seen a UFO? 75% said no, and 25% said yes. Given the result of these polls so far, one cannot help but conclude that mankind is ready for disclosure. What do you think? And the following is for members of our forum only, manticore.com. And by the way, you can simply join by going to the website and clicking on register. It only takes a few seconds. A few years ago, I received some files, actually some FBI and CIA declassified files on three people, Werner von Braun, Albert Einstein, and Nikola Tesla. So if you want to know their history from the moment they stepped on U.S. soil, head to our forum by going to our website or going to manticore.com. Again, registration is free and it only takes a few seconds. Only registered users can read these documents and each file is about 90 pages long. So I'll be posting them slowly. There's a lot of information on these three men. And now, get ready for a journey to subjects that are considered taboo for many. The harmonic codes, anti-gravity, the mathematics of the pyramids, stargates, communication with extraterrestrials, Mona Lisa's little secret, and much more. Our special guest, David Sarita, will join us when we come back. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. If you want to know the answers, don't go anywhere. David Sarita's first aspiration in life was to become an astronaut. In 1968, David and a friend witnessed a UFO along with hundreds of other witnesses. After this experience, David grew up as a UFO enthusiast, never living in doubt of the phenomena that has swept the world since the Roswell incident in 1947. His interest in space, religion, philosophy, 
astronomy, and science led him on his career in related fields. He has worked deeply in high technology, on environmental and humanitarian issues, and as a professional photographer for over 20 years. He has studied world religion, science, physics, and paranormal psychology for over 25 years. Directly from Sedona, Arizona, David Sarita. Hello, David, and thank you for joining us on the first time on The Veritas Show. How are you? Good, Mel. Um, thank you very much for having me on your show. I think this is our first show together, right? That's right, and I hope it's, it won't be the last. It's our pleasure having you on, and so that you know, the list of series researchers who have been on this show and will be on this show wouldn't be complete without you. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. David, you have one of the most eclectic minds I know, and I think that's one of the reasons why I chose you to be on. You're also one of the favorite guests on Coast to Coast AM, and I know you will be here too. You do research in so many areas, and we'll get into those areas shortly. But first, we always do this for those guests who haven't been with us before. It's almost like a common denominator that something in early life happens that changes the course of many people's lives. I believe it all started for you back in 1968. But now, please tell me, you were not seven years old. I was seven years old in 1968, yeah. The reason why I ask you is because you have no idea how many I talk to and our guests that come on the show and talk about their first experience happening at seven years old. I had an indirect experience at seven, and it's what kept me going nonstop. Now, tell us your history, your background, and how it came to influence you your current philosophies? Well, you know, I was born in 1961 in August 21st in Alberta, Canada. And my father was, you know, a hockey player back then. And we, my mom was, you know, just, uh, you know, starting her life. And she had four sons. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the dream of my father changed about hockey. And my grandfather was furious because he was playing with a lot of the pros that, are, that were out there for, you know, many decades. And right. when he moved to Berkeley, California in the 60s to be, he be, to, for him to become a psychologist. And there we were all growing up in this university village, uh, my mom and my brothers and I, in the middle of the riots, you know, from the Vietnam War protests. And, and we got exposed to a lot of that. I even remember the tear gas, you know, riots and, and nude rock festivals. I mean, a lot of crazy stuff. And, and, I, and my memory is flawless. I can, you know, pick, you know, multiple days and events that, that actually happened. And back in those days, parents let their children walk home alone from school, which is something, you know, a lot of people don't even think about exactly. today. And there I am walking home from school from uh, Cornell Elementary School in the East Bay. It's, it's in a district called Albany, you know, Kitty Corner, Berkeley. And I notice everybody's pointing up in the sky at a flying saucer, and they're going crazy. I mean, it's not the Goodyear blimp. You know, I built model airplanes as a kid and and model cars and, you know, with those Ravel model kits and Right. And I knew exactly what I was looking at. I mean, I was looking at something that was like the Starship Enterprise. It was shimmering. There were no markings. It was down low. It had the little dome on the top of the disc. And, you know, for a full 20 minutes, and I'm amazed that, you know, the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, which I learned in my you know later wife was up on the hill, would have had a perfect view of it. And then, of course, there was, you know, there was no military presence. So obviously this thing wasn't picked up on radar. And people were in pandemonium. Like, I couldn't believe the, the reaction to the people. And they were knocking on neighbors' doors, telling them to come out, get out here, you've got to see this thing. And it just, after 20 full minutes, it blinked out. And, and it went invisible in a blink of an eye. And 
And the pursuing days, I told my mom and you know my and my dad, who had um, actually were in the middle of their divorce, and, and what had happened. And eventually, you know, right in that time, my mom was you know getting married to an, uh, would would marry a science teacher, who was an ex-military man. And we moved to a new house in the Berkeley Hills, and that's where I started to have contact experiences. And I was having dreams about the propulsion system, you know, one set of lights spinning clockwise and one going anti-clockwise on the same axis. And then I, I remember I had one, you know, what you would call, not an abduction, but it was a contact experience. I, I don't remember. I just remember my body being paralyzed and not being able to move. And, you know, we had a babysitter, and I screamed my head off, you know, trying to come out of this paralysis. But I don't remember them being, you know, malevolent. They were very kind. They were they were teaching me things, but I just wasn't ready at that age to be paralyzed and, and have myself, you know, in the presence of these beings. And then I would play hide-and-go-seek when we moved to San Francisco up near Diamond Heights. Um, and when I counted to 100 while everyone was hiding, I was looking at the Pleiades, and I, I didn't even know the name of that star system. I didn't know what it was, why my eyes would lock on that system. And then, of course, many years later, you know, in 1972, my mom divorced again. We went back to live with our real father in Vancouver, Canada. And it was there that I saw my first news broadcast about the Billy Meyer, you know, incident. And I said, oh, my mm-hmm. God, this is on TV. That's what I saw. And, and you know, oh, my God, why is it on TV? And, and then it took me years to realize this was a worldwide phenomenon. And what happens is, you know, my uncle's a Superior Court judge in, in Ottawa, you know, Brian Trafford, and my mom is a lawyer. My dad's a PhD in psychology. And how an event like this, you know, shape, you know, shapes my life is that I can't go down that road. I can't go down the straight and narrow. My parents just think, oh, well, it's no big deal. He saw flying saucer. I don't talk about it that much. But they don't realize that it literally drives me away from mainstream education. You know, I became a rebel in school, and I had a real hard time with people telling me what I was going to learn and how they were going to shape my mind. I was really rebellious. And I started doing my own studies, you know, after high school and, you know, eventually, you know, getting my hands on all of this alternative material because I wanted answers. And my father started teaching me meditation. By the time I was 18, I was meditating every single day, and I started to get the benefits of the meditation practice. And we were all Catholics, but not, you know, my mother was one of those tormented Catholics who was beaten by nuns when she was a young girl, so you know, she hated the church. Sure. And my father was Greek Orthodox, I think, uh, well, Sarita's Ukrainian, so his side of the family came from the Ukraine in the old days, and they were they were Russian or Greek Orthodox. So Russian they were Orthodox, allowed, yeah. They were allowed to marry in that church, so, you know, they were. it was a much more friendly Catholic church. And so... My dad, you know, taught me meditation, taught me all these things, and I began having very powerful mystical experiences that uh, culminate in the, in the year 1994. I had three encounters with Christ blazing like a thousand suns. And after I had, you know, to make a long story short, met most of the gurus of India and meditated with them, many of which I still love today, and the Dalai Lama, I went to India and studied with him. After meeting Christ, I was just blown away. That the Christ was the King. He truly is the greatest saint, or forget saint. He to me, he was God incarnate in the flesh. Jesus embodied the totality of the of the, of the entire cosmos. I couldn't even look at his face for more than a second. I fell flat on my face, you know, upon the visions, and physically could not even stand up in his presence. 
because of how powerful you know the the aura or the field of the of the universal consciousness that Jesus beheld, and I had never experienced anything anywhere near that in the presence of other masters. So this began upon seeing Christ the first time in in October of ninety four during one of the worst years of my life, and then again on Easter morning, 1997, and then the last time I saw him was 1999. I mean, blazing in the second time, like 10,000 suns, and the ecstasy and the love and the peace and the power and the beauty and the graces were were much brighter than the light itself. Now, when David, looked, is, this some, yeah. is this something that happens while you are meditating? No, I wasn't sitting in meditation. I mean, practicing meditation every day can, can set a, a space so that you can become a conduit to have an experience like this. I didn't will it. I never asked to meet Christ. I was taught by my father that he was a great saint among many other saints in the world. But my experience of Christ was simply that it was so utterly astounding, the, the power of this one being, it's kind of like if you think of the Big Bang, that the universe started from this infinitesimally small point, and that small point eventually becomes the whole universe. The body of Christ that appears in the human form is like the seed, that is, is really the entire thing. It's so overwhelming that no human could see it. And the first words he spoke to me is, I have appeared to a number of people throughout the universe, but at different levels of their spiritual ability. No one has ever seen me in my entirety. It is not possible at this time. And he said, even now, what you're seeing of me is not my entirety. It's just what you're able to see. I mean, that was basically what he was telling me. So even all the apparitions and the transfigurations were merely adjustments that the Supreme Being made so that we would think we were seeing Christ in the human form to think that Christ was was human. And there is a sense of Christ consciousness that's available to the humans and to the saints, but it's not, um, and ultimately this consciousness is nameless and boundless and transcends religion and race and all of these things. So, so I don't believe that if, if a Hindu or a Buddhist attains this supernatural illumination, that illumination is God consciousness. It's it's the same thing, but the difference for me was this: the the, the actual personality of Christ is just simply utterly astounding. I mean, you're talking supernovas would pale in comparison to what I saw. So what happened next was, within days, I had the ability to see the dead, to see invisible beings with my eyes open, and and it was so shocking to see tens of people were around me in the middle of the night, you know, standing there looking at me and going, you know, this happened like the next two days after my first visit with Christ. And this where, was gone. What's that? Were you, vibrating, were you vibrating at a different frequency and that's why you were probably tapping into a different dimension? I think so. I think he, Jesus did something to me that just opened my inner eye and allowed me to see I mean, I can't see everything. I've only seen two ghosts in the daytime, and one of the names of them is quite shocking. But um, I see them in full form. Like, I don't see foggy, hazy, you know, luminous kind of beings. I don't intuit the picture in my third eye and say I'm getting a sense that Einstein is here or something like that. I actually see them, like, as real as anybody sees a human being. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, 
downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.